0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, amen. Come on, how many, how many, how many, about, how It's called adrenaline right there. How many are happy to be at church today? Man, I've been preaching every week for 18 years, and still I get a little adrenaline bump right before I get up. It makes me babble like a like a fool. But come on, we're going to get into the Word today. Uh, we're going to get into a great series here for the next three weeks looking at the life of Joseph, the benefits of being stuck, what God can do in your life during the season of waiting. It's going to be a great time together. Before I do that, though, I get the honor and the privilege of making a massive announcement. I hear... As a parent, when uh, you begin to have a teen in your life, you become like a real parent. That's just what I heard. I don't know. But like when you get a teenager, you become a real parent. So I got one more year before I become a real parent. But my daughter, I'm just kidding, by the way. I'm just, I don't even know what that, I never read that anywhere. I literally made that up on the spot. (laughs) Uh, But my daughter turned 12 years old today. And Brea is an amazing young woman, and she, I don't know if you know my daughter, but my daughter is one of the most organized, uh, one of the most passionate for God. She's kind, she's wise, and uh, I look forward to seeing what God does in her life this year. She's working to be on the the worship team. Come on, somebody. And uh, she's going to be speaking in a couple weeks, so. But I just wanted to show you a couple pictures of my daughter uh, 12 years ago. This is when she was born, and I was giving her a little bath. I told her I was gonna show pictures of her when she, naked pictures of her, and she was like, what? And uh, it was super funny. Um, And uh, this is a picture of B when she was like, what, Steph, two or three? About a year and a half. About a year and a half, okay, I was way off, but whatever. (laughs) And uh, isn't that awesome just to see her uh, it, like that? And then I wanted to show you a quick video. So media team, make sure our sound's real loud. This is a video that I love. Uh, we were learning a new worship song. And I don't remember the song, but it, basically she's trying to say, my soul, my soul. That's what she's, I don't know what worship song it is. but. Her lips are getting dry. So this is the part. She's not really really going to start worshiping now. Come on, girl. Get it. Get it. She's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, it sure is, sweetie. It's weird to do Come on, I just want to say I love you, Brea, happy birthday, and uh, we're going to have a pizza party tonight with her, and I told her, Brea, you can do whatever you want to do. She says, really? I said, yeah, but I really love Pizza Hut, and then Steph goes, and I really love ice cream cake, and she's like, that's what you guys want. What do I want? And she chose whatever she wanted, which I think is not as good. Little Caesar's pizza sucks compared to Pizza Hut. Hey. Hey, 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 someone made an American comment, that's not nice, (laughs) cut it out, the election's coming up, but I'm not going to talk about that today, hello, (laughs) come on, we're going to get into the word today, and I'm just so thrilled you're here today, I just love you so much, we love our church, and we just love you guys, and we just love we're on this journey together, you know, and uh, just thinking about my daughter and all the kiddos up, uh, you know, upstairs, you know, watching them before church. You know, we're building a church. We want to be here for generations to come, where our great-great-grandchildren are serving in the house of God. Amen. And amen. reaching lost people and making disciples. And we're just at the ground floor of that, coming into our fourth year this month as a church. We're we're here to see, uh, Lord willing, hundreds, Lord willing, thousands of people come to Christ. But also, not just that, so that you and I can be a part of a healthy local church that exists for a long time. And that you can see your great, great grandchildren serve God in this house. Amen. So the best is yet to come, guys. So, anyways, I'm getting a little distracted here. Come on. You know, every single one of us uh, gets stuck. And the truth is, we all get in a place in life where we feel like we're in a waiting season. And uh, with it, maybe you're a follower of Christ here today, and maybe God's given you a, a prophetic thought, a, a, a dream for your future, motivation. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, man, I want to get married, or I want to have kids, or I want to get a career, or I want to pursue this, uh, you know, this promotion in my life. Or maybe you're here today, and, and you don't know God, and you say, but yeah, I have dreams, and I have ambitions, and desires, and things I want to accomplish with my life and I have all these ideas of where I want to go and where I want to end up and most of us have these kind of ambitions and ideas and things that we want to pursue in life but the things that we look forward in our life often we, we, we strive after those things but most of the time we find ourselves in a little bit of a, a stuck place. We're waiting for it. We're, we're, we're praying for it. We're asking for it. We're, we're trying to make this thing work out so that I can get to the ultimate objective of God for my life and this area of being stuck in our life, this season of waiting can be so stinking difficult. Anybody agree with me? Just so hard to believe that God has that future spouse for you, or oh man, we want to have those children, or gosh, I want to make that, you know, get that career, or I want to go to school, or whatever it is that you have that God has put on your heart for your life, we see it, and we can smell it, and we can taste it, and it feels right there, but we're, kind of not there yet. We're right here and it causes this season where we feel like we are stuck. And as I share with you over the next three weeks, the life of Joseph, I want to share with you some personal things, some Things in my own personal life that, that I, I, I'm not arrived yet. I haven't gotten to the place where I'm living in the palace and, you know, everything's working out for me. But I, I'm sure on a journey of my life and I've, I've learned some things over the journey of my own personal life that from the, from the life of Joseph that I, I pray are going to help you realize that a season of being stuck is not a bad thing. That a season of being stuck, there's a benefit in it, and there's a power in waiting for something, and there's something powerful that God wants to do in your life as you wait for what God has planned for you. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to walk through the book of uh, uh, Joseph a little bit, or I'm sorry, the the character of Joseph, and... Many of you today know the story. We're not going to read the story today just for sake of time. But for those of the room who maybe have never heard the life of Joseph, I wanted to give you maybe the story. So hang on with me if you've heard it before. But for those of the room who haven't or those watching online who haven't, I wanted to make sure that those individuals know what's going on. And so the story of Joseph is found in Genesis chapter 37. And I want to encourage you, church, come on, read this story this week, Okay? For the next three weeks, I want you to get your eyes on Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. Read that story. Get that story in your spirit. Get it in your heart so that when I come to share with you on Sunday, you got to know what the Bible says. You don't even need me to preach. You just got it all in your heart right there. Amen. So come on, get that word in your heart. And uh, as we look at the story of Joseph in Genesis uh, 37, it starts with a young man named Joseph. And Joseph had, uh, he was the youngest of 10 older brothers and he had a, his dad was married to his full mother and also married to three half mothers. (laughs) So you think you got family dysfunction (laughs) and this is like Dr. Phil's dream, you know, it's like, oh wow, I get to do a whole year of episodes on this family, you know. Joseph's got 10 older brothers, and uh, he's got a full mother. He's got three half-mothers, and he's got a bunch of sisters. And Joseph uh, was uh, his dad's favorite child. The jo- Joseph's dad really wanted everyone to know that he was kind of the best, and so he gave him this coat of many colors, and it basically said on the back, I'm my dad's favorite. And he would wear this everywhere he went, and it was kind of like he would just kind of flaunt it, like, come on now, I'm my daddy's favorite. I, I have a favorite from my father. And he, he was kind of just the-, the most liked from his dad, and he was had favor from his father and he was the youngest of this family and he really didn't have to do very much work as you see in the story. His brothers did a lot of the work and kind of his, his, Joseph kind of stayed behind. And so here's Joseph and he, he's got this coat around his shoulders that, that kind of uh, identifies he's the dad's favorite and he's got these older 10 brothers who hate the fact that he's got this coat, hate the fact that he's dad's favorite, hate the fact that he never has to do any work. These brothers hated Joseph so very much because Joseph was the favorite of his Father, but if we look at the life of Joseph, and as you read it yourself, maybe you'll pick this up. If you look at the life of Joseph, you could see that as 17 years old, as we come in this story, he's 17. Joseph most likely, and I don't really think it's his fault, most likely had a little bit of entitlement. Maybe had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Maybe a little bit of a silver silver spoon in his mouth. You know, he didn't really have to work. Like I said, he 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 was his dad's favorite. He he was kind of the, the kid that could you know do whatever he wanted. In fact, he made his brothers so upset that one day they were out in the field working. And Joseph walked out to see what they were doing, saw him fooling around, and he thought it'd be a good idea to go tell his dad. And so he went and told his dad, dad the brothers are being idiots, they're doing stupid stuff. And his brothers got in huge, massive trouble, and, and, and they just hated him for being a little tattletale. So he's a tattletale, he's dad's favorite, he never works. Joseph was kind of set up to have a little bit of entitlement in his life. He had this idea in his heart that, like, man, I got my dad's father. Now, I want you to listen here the parallel. I got my dad's favor, and I, I'm my dad's favorite. And so, like, I kind of feel like everything's always going to kind of go my way. Everything's going to kind of go the way that I want it to go. Everything's going to turn out like I want because I got my dad's favor. Because I got I'm my dad's favorite. Because I'm the in my dad's eyes I'm his son. I'm his favorite son. He loves me so much. So therefore I kind of got life made. Things are going to go awesome for my life. And so Joseph was this young guy had a little bit of entitlement had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And then one day this young boy you know 17 years old in Genesis 37 verse five it said that Joseph had a dream. And Joseph had this God dream. God spoke to Joseph. God spoke to him in this dream. It was an incredible thing. At 17 years old, Joseph had two dreams, an amazing dream. And the idea of the dream is, if you read it, it talks about sheaves and all different things. But basically the idea of the dream is, is that all of his brothers and his mother and his father are going to one day bow down before Joseph. He sees these dreams of all of them bowing down and he thought it would be a good idea to tell his brothers who already hated him that one day you're gonna bow down before me. He says, all of you are gonna bow down before me and I don't know what it means. I don't know the implications of this, but I just know that this is the dream I had. He's just sharing a dream he had. You know, I know that Kyle told me this morning that he had a dream that Joel was gonna be leading worship here in a few weeks and I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> just kidding. I will only say that to Joel because he knows me well enough to know I'm just kidding. But I really did say rebuke you. No, I'm just kidding. I did. It was awesome. Kyle's like, I had this dream that Joel's going to be leading worship. And I said, that's amazing. That's fantastic. He has to try out and all that stuff. But I, don't know, I like Joel's back on the guitar. Right? Don't you love seeing Joel in the car? He wasn't there today. But last week, I think it's the first time in like a long time, isn't it? Come on, man. It was awesome. I mean, during those riffs, I was like, oh, Jesus, Yes. <laughs> Come on, so he has this dream, and he says these things, and, and these brothers are, 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 are getting frustrated because he's sharing this idea that they're going to bow down before him. And as we look in the next three, uh, three weeks, we're going to realize that Joseph had this dream from God, 17-year-old young man, hadn't really done a lot of work, was wearing his coat of many colors, dad's favorite, had a dream about his future but then, as we look through Joseph's life, we will see that Joseph had to go through some difficult and unfair seasons to get to the fulfillment of the dream. You see in the next very next chapter you see that his brothers were so angry that one day as Joseph walked up to his brothers sent by his father to do a check in on him as he's walking up to his brothers his brothers turned and they said let's plot to kill this kid because we can't stand he we can't stand him let's kill him literally they plotted to kill their own brother and the oldest brother said listen no guys let's not kill him i have a better idea let's just sell him into slavery So they threw Joseph into a deep pit. That's what we'll be talking about next week, how he is a guy who has God's favor. He's called by God. He's got a great future and a great destiny, and he's stuck in a pit. Why is this unfair situation happening? He gets thrown into a pit, and he gets sold into slavery by his own brothers. And he ends up working for the head of security of, of Pharaoh. It was like the prime minister, like the president. The Pharaoh's head of security, Potiphar. And while he's there, he's doing his best. He's trying to serve God. He's serving and he's humble and he's doing his thing. One day, Potiphar's wife took a liking to Potiphar and she tried to come on to him many times. Eventually, she commanded him to have sex with her and he could have gone into that. He could have gone and he could have given into that temptation. He could have given up. She's a very beautiful woman. She's a powerful woman, but he looked her and, at her eyes and said, no way, and he ran away. And when he ran away, she took his coat and she turned to her husband when he came home and said, Joseph tried to rape me. Joseph, wrongfully accused of raping this woman, was thrown into prison, thrown into the depths of prison for no reason at all. Absolutely unfair. Didn't make any sense. Here he is in the prison, and for years they had forgotten about Joseph. A man who had a dream to serve God, a man who had a dream to see fulfillment, a man who had great things in store for his life, had to go through things in his life that were unfair Things in his life that he did not deserve. Things in his life that didn't make any sense. Yet what we don't realize is that God was involved through it all. As we see in our story, we realize that Joseph, in this entire journey, it took him 23 years to come to the place of fulfillment. It took him 23 years to go from the pit to the palace. 23 years it took him to be in the process of going through these unfair seasons and the difficult things that were happening. And one day he was in prison and Pharaoh had a dream and he heard that this young man in prison could interpret dreams and so he pulled Joseph into his into his inner courts and he said hey i got this dream tell me what this dream means and Joseph says i can't interpret dreams but i know god can and so he gave them an interpretation based on god's leading and it was this plan that you're going to face a 7 year famine so i need you to store up for 7 years store up the food and if you need a man full of the spirit of god i can do that and when one instant he was taken from the prison to the palace and in 23 years it took him, he finally stood in the place of fulfillment of the dream of God that had written on his heart. Twenty-three years it took him to get to the place of fulfillment in his life. Twenty-three years. And we see in the verse, it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Look at this, Psalms 105, 17. So God decreed a famine upon Canaan land, cutting off their food supply. But he had already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph. So what he doesn't realize is that there's something going on on a bigger scale, a bigger reality. God's about to do something because he wants to use Joseph to save millions upon millions of people's lives. But in order for Joseph to be used in that way for God, he had to go through 23 years of difficult situations, unfair, being stuck in the waiting. It wasn't fair. It didn't make any sense. He didn't do anything to deserve it. But it was all about preparing Joseph for the palace. 23 years of family issues and thrown into a pit. And often it seems unfair. Joseph had some things in his life that he had to learn before he could see that dream fulfilled. Joseph had areas of his life, listen, that could not carry the call of God in his life. The Joseph of Genesis 37 Could not carry the ministry call that he had on Joseph of Genesis 50. Genesis 37 was a guy, a young man with an idealistic dream, with passions and dreams. Genesis 50 was 23 years of being unfairly treated, with having to serve the Lord, with having to humble himself, with having to keep perspective, with having to keep his head down and keep serving God and keep being faithful. 23 years in that process because he could not carry the call of God in Genesis 37. He was not ready to do all that God called him to do. And he requires you to go through the same season in your life, the same season of the pit, the same season of the prison, in order that he might once bring you to your palace, whether it's marriage or whether it's children or whether it's a job or whether it's future, whatever it might be, whatever God has put on your heart, I want you to know that God will fulfill that dream, but not without the preparation. We have to be willing to recognize that we don't start in the palace. We start in the pit. Look at this scripture, our key text for this series. Psalms 105, 19. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. God's promise to Joseph tested his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. He was being tested and purged in his character until it was God's time to bring him to the palace. This scripture here recognizes that God had some work to do in Joseph's life. When life seems unfair to you, when life seems like it's not aligning when life seems like it's frustrating, when things happen that don't make sense, why would this happen to a follower of God? I'm wearing the coat of many colors. I am favored by God. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Then why does my life suck right now? Maybe it's because God has some work in your life. Maybe it's because he is purging your character. But listen, God hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. God is at your side. God is with you. And guess what? God is preparing you for something so great. God gives us dreams. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Look at this, in 1 Corinthians 2 9, this is what is meant by the scriptures which say that no mere man has ever seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God is ready for those who love the Lord. God has a plan for you, God has a purpose for you that's above and beyond Amanda what you could ever dream or imagine. God has a plan for you whether you're here today and you're, 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 you're new to God or you're not a follower of God, I want you to know before the foundation of time, God had a plan for you and when all these things were going on, God said, I need to send this person over here to the power. so they can save millions of people's lives. But I need them to embrace the journey that I have them on. Stop getting mad at me for putting them through this journey and recognize I'm just trying to weed out of them stuff in their life that I know will bring fulfillment and satisfaction in their lives. There's something so great for every single person in this room, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. But the hard truth is God's dream for your life puts you on a path of preparation for the palace. And so I want to talk to you about three things. that, Again, I'm not there yet. Like Paul says, not that I've obtained this. <laughs> Trust me, if you know me, you'll eat to do that. <laughs> but I'm on the journey. And these are some things God's worked in my life over the last several years uh, that I hope will impact you and, and encourage you. The First one is this, three things that I, three benefits of being stuck. And this is where we'll start today. Next week, we'll talk about the pit. And then the following, we'll talk about the prison of the palace. So come on back for more, okay? First one is this. We learn about God's motivation. See, God had to develop in Joseph a motivation to bring glory to God and to help other people. God had to remove the motivation that this had anything to do about Joseph. It had nothing to do with Joseph. It had everything to do with bringing glory to God. And helping other people. Look at this verse in Genesis fifty twenty. 20. Joseph's brothers just realized in the scripture that Joseph, the dream came fulfilled. Like he is the right hand man in Egypt. And look what it says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Look at this. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So Joseph could have easily stood up there in front of his brothers and made it all about him, couldn't you? Yeah, see what? Well, I told you. Nah, 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 nah. I told you that I was going to be the king. I told you, bow down. I told you he was going to bow down before me. No, no, no. God had worked that motivation out of him. And he recognized, listen, I know it seems like all the things you did to me had to do with something with you, but actually God was involved. And actually, he was training me. My motivation was being worked out of me that this has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with bringing glory to God and helping millions. Of people know Christ better? Yes. See, Joseph realized through these years that his motivation that it's about me is not, you won't get to the, the palace if it's about you. He's going to keep working this out in our lives and Joseph had to learn this motivation. I mean, imagine being 17 years old and hearing that your whole family's going to bow down before you. I don't know about you, but I was 17. I was a pretty, uh, I was a pretty arrogant jerk. <laughs> I was idealistic. I was—I kind of didn't think I had a whole lot of issues, and I kind of thought, man, I, I'm good at stuff. i am a am good at this. And I'm good at that. I walk in a room. I mean, if like someone came to me like and said, like, "Hey, you're gonna people are gonna bow down before you," be like, "Yeah, so I know that." <laughs> I was this kind of guy who just kind of—I kind of had air. I was arrogant. I—I thought I knew it all. I didn't have a lot of issues. Didn't have a lot of problems. Had a really good upbringing. Didn't deal with much. It was just it. And I, God had to teach me that, Ryan. Everything you do is always about you you got to stop making everything about you. And it took me years for God to purge my character. And he's purging still. Hear me now. I'm not at all saying I'm done because if you know me, you'll know, oh, he's got a little more purging to do, Ryan. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. You have to recognize that this Often our dreams and our motivations can cloud our view of God's dream and destiny for our life. I talk about this a lot, but I want to keep talking about it, is that when I read the book, uh, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, talks about this concept of the difference between imagination and faith. And imagination in our lives is when you and I subconsciously settle something in our head, most of the time I think, personally, just me, it comes from maybe Instagram, maybe on Instagram or Facebook, and you know, you see that that girl with that guy, and you think, oh, I really want, maybe you were fine with being single, and now you want to get married married. Or man, you see that person with another child or a child dressed this way. Oh, I better buy natural clothes for my kids. Or you see this person on Instagram and you go, oh man, they really got a nice house. I better upgrade my house. Or man, that person over there, man, they saw 50,000 people say this last night. Man, I better do better and reach more people. And oh my gosh. And what we do is we subconsciously swipe through our lives and subconsciously this imagination settles in our heart something that God didn't really want for us. We see it and we wrap God around it and wrap faith around it. And you know that God wasn't in it when it doesn't happen and you're angry at God. You know God wasn't in it when you get frustrated. God, why didn't this work out like you said it? When he goes, I never said that in the first place. That was your own imagination. Or faith. Faith is something that already exists in the mind of God. God gave Joseph a dream for the palace. He didn't know it was in the palace. He didn't know what it meant. He just knew, man, God's got a plan for my life, and I I feel like God's going to call me to lead people. Obviously, they're bowing down. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. I'm just going to keep serving the Lord. I'm going to keep pressing forward, because if God has in store for my life, what I I sense in my heart, he has store for me. I'm never going to be able to accomplish that on my own. It exists already in the mind of God, so I'm just going to keep serving, and I'm going to keep giving, and I'm going to keep submitting, and I'm going to keep laying my life down, and until so eventually all of a sudden I'm sitting in the prison and a phone call comes on the warden's phone go get Joseph and all of a sudden you get called up and you say what's happening what's going on well now's your time for promotion why because this is the moment God had this in mind all along and you've been having faith for whatever is in the mind of God and you haven't allowed your selfish desires to be leading you you have let God's faith in God lead you and see when they get when we realize that faith is already existing in the mind of God, if Joseph had gone to the palace, come home and said, hey guys, guess what? I just saw the palace (laughs) and I already know which room I'm gonna have. (laughs) I already know about my servants and the food. So I got an idea. And then he's like, I kind of want to be there in the palace. Come on, God, give me the palace, Lord. He's having an imagination moment. But God put it in his heart. He didn't know what it looked like. He's just gonna serve and give his life and lay his heart down, lay his mind down. Continue to serve where God puts him. God's God's motivation will always bring glory to him. God's motivation will always be about serving people. It'll always be about loving people. God's motivation never has anything to do with your bank account. It has never anything to do with your success. Guess what God's motivation does? It teaches you. That when you do things God's way, you'll experience true satisfaction yes. and fulfillment. Yes. See, true satisfaction and fulfillment in your life doesn't come through you succeeding in your plans. Mm-hmm. True success, satisfaction and fulfillment in life comes from submitting ourselves to God and trusting that his way is the right way. And I begin to experience the true fulfillment and satisfaction that brings joy and peace and life. Yes. Come on, let me give you the second one here today. The benefits of being stuck, we learn about God's favor. God's favor comes through humility. In order to experience God's favor, we have to learn to be humble. Joseph could have thought about his future that God had given him, and he could have thought this thought. Man, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm the favorite. Like, I feel like I get why I'm called to do this, because look at me. See, Joseph could have ran into the temptation to to, to think that the reason God gave him the dream was because of something he did or God gave him the dream because of something he was when in reality, the only reason God's dream in your life ever gets fulfilled is because it's all about him. He's the one who provides it. He's the one who gives it. He's the one who promotes. He's the one that leads you. He's the one that helps you. He's the one that transforms you. It has nothing to do with us See, what happens is, is that whenever we come to a place of being stuck, we begin to somehow think that this all revolves around us. And if I can just do this right, this right, this right, then I will get the promotion. When in reality, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Because it's only by God's grace. Only by God's leading. Only by God's prompting. And the way we experience God's grace in our life is through humility through humbling ourselves. Joseph would have missed the palace if he would have tried to do this on his own. And what pride does is pride begins to get us, we begin to get into work mode. Oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I gotta ride this, I gotta listen to that, I gotta pay for this, I gotta go here. And we start to get stressed and worried because we think, oh, if I don't do this and if I don't do that thing and I don't go here and I don't speak like that and talk like that and act like this and invest in it, oh, I'm not gonna make it, oh my gosh. And God says, no, 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 you are not acting in grace, you're acting in pride. Pride is when you and I try to take the reins of our lives and try to do things on our own. And I want to warn you here today. Do you know that God has made you smart enough to be able to build your own kingdom? You will accomplish what you try to carve out. Well, God will just stop me. Oh, no, he won't. He will warn you. He will speak to you. He will give you a multitude of counselors. He'll convict you in his word. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. But a lot of times, and I've been there, we just ignore those things because I want this so badly. Push through. And eventually we build this kingdom for ourselves and realize this didn't bring me the satisfaction I thought it was going to bring me. I thought that this thing was it. When in reality, it never was in the first place. Oh my gosh, that's called pride. Every person here, all of us, have a root of pride in our lives. And I believe that this is one of the most powerful things you can hear. I believe this with all my heart to recognize in a stuck waiting season that God has you in this season to root out pride. He wants to eradicate pride in your life because I believe that when you humble yourself under God, guess what he does? He pours out his grace in your life. Look at this in 1 Peter 5, 6. If you will humble yourselves into the mighty hand of God in his good time, he will lift you up. Now, listen, you can either humble yourself or you can be humbled. (laughs) And listen, it's a choice we have to make. Okay, God, I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna lay down my agenda. I'm gonna stop trying to do things on my own, God. I'm gonna stop (sighs) freaking out and overworking all the time. I'm just gonna chill rest a little bit and recognize that the season I'm in, the waiting season I'm in, the stuck season I'm in, I don't actually have to get out of it. I'm actually supposed to stay. I can't get out of prison. I can't do a prison break. They're gonna catch you and throw you back in. (laughs) I just gotta stay put and I just gotta keep serving and I gotta stay humble and I gotta stop being so stinking uh, assertive in things and just continue to be who God's called me to be and keep laying my life down. See, what we don't realize is that when we do that, what God does is he begins to give us favor. Joseph, and I won't read it today, but you can read it. And, and Joseph went to the to Potiphar's house and it says that God was with Joseph and God gave Joseph favor and God gave Joseph favor with his boss. And now he was over everything there that the, the, the warden and Potiphar didn't even think about anything except for the food that they ate. Joseph was in charge of everything. How? In the prison, the warden gave him everything. He had favor in the eyes of the warden, favor everywhere he went. God blessed him. Why did Joseph experience such favor? Because he chose to humble himself. He chose to recognize that, God, everything I have in my life right now is because of you. I can't carve out a good life for myself, God. I can do exactly what you've asked me to do. I'm gonna be obedient in the season that you call me to be in. God, I'm gonna remain humble. I'm gonna stop trying to fight my way to the top. I'm gonna to stop trying to push others out of the way. I'm gonna humble myself and try to get other help other people get farther than me. Go farther than me. I'm gonna serve my boss. I'm gonna serve my spouse. I'm gonna serve those around me. God, I'm gonna do whatever I can to humble myself under the mighty hand of God because I know in his good timing. When he's ready, he's going to call me from the prison to the palace. And it's just going to be just like that. Boom, ring, ring, ring. Hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. Yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. Come on, I've been ready for a long time. Come on, get in the game, boy. Get in there and play your game because we are ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. God, I'm so ready because I've been humbling myself and recognizing that, God, this is ultimately about your glory. And it's about recognizing that I ain't in control. I lay down my pride because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Come on, our last one here today. We learn that God is our source. So here's the danger with our dream. All of our identity gets wrapped up in that relationship. All of our identity gets wrapped up in the fulfillment. All of our identity gets wrapped up of when I get that house or when I get that job or when I make that money or when I start that ministry or when I do that thing or when, when, when. Oh, that's when I'm gonna, that's putting our identity and our source in a future reality when God wants to be your source today. He wants to be your source in the prison. He wants to be your source in the pit. He wants to be your source in Potiphar's house. He wants to be your source. Look at one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible, Psalm 16:5. The Lord himself is my inheritance. The Lord is my prize. The Lord is my food. The Lord is my drink. The Lord is my highest joy. Not the success of my business. Not the growth of our ministry. Not the the fulfillment that I'm going to have when I get that car. Not when I finally get married or finally have that that, that child. No, right now, God, you are my source. You are my satisfaction. Lord, I could be stuck in the pit and stuck in the prison. But Lord, you're teaching me the benefit of making you my source today, God. Not when I get what I want. Not when I get what I pray for right now, God. You are my source. You are my strength. You are my my help in the time of need. You are my inheritance and my prize. If I can just experience you today, I've experienced that dream. I've experienced that fulfillment in my life. See, you want to be stuck. Because when you're stuck, you develop an intimate relationship with Jesus that you've never had before. And I'm just going to tell you something, a little a little secret that I'm finding out in my life. Did you know the, grease, gra- grease, the grass is never greener? You're single, man. I just can't wait to get married. You get married and guess what happens? The grass goes brown. Now, our grass is pretty green, but. Hear my heart. I'm saying you're going to have a great marriage, but it doesn't satisfy me like my Jesus does. Oh, man, if I I get that job, man, I'm going to be making money and doing it. That's awesome. But you get there, you're going to be like, oh, man, that doesn't satisfy. Do you want to know what grass does stay green? Jesus. And if you can learn to find your source in him today, in the moment you're living right now, this is where your frustration stems from in your life. You're always looking at tomorrow and you've made it an idol in your life. When in reality, God says, let the idol go. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Serve me now. Humble yourself now. Serve where you are. Give your life where you are. Serve the warden. Serve Potiphar. Serve your brothers. Serve that boss. Be faithful to give. Be faithful to serve. Be faithful to lay your life down. Keep reading your word. Keep praying. Keep showing up keep doing what God's called you to do, keep learning, keep staying humble, keep growing, keep learning, keep serving, keep giving, keep humbling yourself. You just keep doing that. And then one day you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I've been in the palace for weeks and I didn't even know it. Because I've already been living in the palace because God's my source. Every single day. So you kind of want to be stuck because life's about the journey. Life's not about the destination. Once you get to the destination, all you're thinking about is the next destination. Life's about the journey. So don't rush the preparation of God in your life because you want to spend your life in the palace. Step back and say, all right, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for breath. Thank you for the house over my, the roof over my head, the relationships I have, the great church we're a part of. God, thank you today that you are my source. And I promise you, you'll begin to experience joy and satisfaction and fulfillment hope like never before, excitement like never before, a fresh passion for life, a fresh joy for life. You won't. People won't be asking how you're doing. Like, oh, I'm not doing very good. No, you say, no, you know what? Life's not really going that great, but I feel awesome. I mean, God's good. Not that it's all about your feelings, but you know what I mean? You just have a faith in God. Like, yeah, you know, life's not that great, but God's good, amen? You know, God's faithful. He'll take care of me. Amen, why don't you stand to your feet? Thank you for giving me a little bit of extra time this morning. Would you stand to your feet and just close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask a question we ask every week. Come on, you're here today and gosh, you're not a follower of Christ today and you'd like to know him. You'd like to experience this source whose name is Christ. come and give you fulfillment and peace and joy. Want anyone today say, Ryan, I I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, And believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says you are saved. You experience salvation. Come on, every eyes closed. If that's you today and you just want to give your life to Christ, it's very simple. I just want you to put your hand up real quick and put it down. I'll see you. Come on, amen. Come on, anybody else in the room today? want to give their life to Jesus. Start a journey with him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see your hand and I'll pray for you and that's it. I won't call you forward. Come on, anybody else here today? Come on, one young man's given his life to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Come on, anybody else? He wants to partner with you in your life today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I've kind of gone off track a little bit. I feel like today I want to make kind of a rededication. I want to start, I'm going to start fresh. You just feel like you need to make a fresh commitment to Christ today. Come on, anybody else say today? Just put your hand up real quick. Put it back down real fast. I won't call you forward. Amen. Come on, Father, we just pray for these people, Lord. Lord, the Bible says again, Lord, if we just simply confess out loud with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus, that we are made righteous in God's sight. the Lord, that we have access to heaven, that we live an abundant life on this earth. Lord, that we will be saved. So Father, I pray for these people today, God, as they make this fresh commitment and confession to follow after you. I pray that you would transform their lives in this instant, God, Father, we pray for everyone in the room today, God, who's stuck, waiting. God, would you just be our source in this season? (laughs) Be our confidence, be our identity, be our help, God. We put our attention on you, God. Our motivation is to bring glory to your name, God. We love you and we thank you for an amazing day in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.